welcome to this edition of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Each and every Sunday we get together for three hours. We talk about the news of the week, the events of our sometimes bizarre lives, and we do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. Of course, it would not be the John and Leah Show without my co-host, Leah Brandon. How are you this evening, Leah? I'm doing very well. How are you? Well, I'm very happy that we have a show um, because, you know, I've often referred to this program as my weekly therapy session. Yes. And given the nature of this week's news, I am in grave need of therapy, and I will be <laughs> using all three hours of it because we are jam-packed with stuff to talk about. For those who have never heard us before, you're going to hear a radio show that you have never experienced and that's not hyperbole, not exaggeration, not hubris. That's just a reality, especially on weekend radio, which is basically crap these days. This is a real live radio show. We're not selling you anything. We're on 16 different stations nationwide. 13 uh, of the top 28 markets have a station in them where we can be heard. You can find out uh, more about the stations we're on at our website, www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. That's freespeechbroadcasting.com. And before we get to the news of the week or the hard news of the week, uh, generally in this first segment we do some housekeeping, see what else is up, talk a little sports. Actually, there's uh, you want to talk about the moon tonight. Apparently there's some uh, big deal with the moon. I'm not fully aware of what's going on here because I can't see a damn thing outside my window. It's you know kind of cloudy I'm, here. <laughs> I'm so bummed out because it's cloudy here too. It's a super moon eclipse. Okay. okay? It's the biggest full moon uh, it's like 15% larger than a normal full moon, and also there's an eclipse going on. Uh, the last time this happened was 1982. The next time won't occur till 2033. But you can't see it. I can't see it, and can you? No. You're in Alabama. I'm in uh, California, where I'm, I don't even know where the moon is in relation to the beautiful view I have outside the window of the studio here north of Los Angeles, but it's cloudy number one and number two i might be facing in the wrong direction so i have no idea what's up with the moon my understanding was it was supposed to be better on the east coast than the west coast anyway that's uh, right but uh, down here in the southeast it's not good so all right all right well enough about the moon uh, now <laughs> uh your alabama crimson tied one yesterday but doesn't really count it was a non-conference nope. uh, bs game yep. uh, my adopted team ucla actually uh, won my adopted team because i don't have a team. I went to Georgetown. Uh, UCLA is where my wife went. And uh, their quarterback, did you happen to catch any of the UCLA game yesterday? I didn't watch any football uh, yesterday. I took a hiatus from football. What well, happened? Well, it's just, it's so bizarre to me. We've discussed this on the program before. UCLA's star f- true freshman quarterback, Josh Rosen, somehow, some way, became a star as a freshman at UCLA, despite the fact that uh, less than five years ago in eighth grade, his uh, eighth grade football coach was me. <laughs> I was his head coach and offensive coordinator. And it just gets more and more bizarre. Last night he played on national television on ABC. UCLA crushed Arizona, which was surprising to me because UCLA's had a bunch of injuries. But here was the most amazing part. Kirk Herbstreet, the ESPN ABC commentator, actually said Josh Rosen could easily become the face of college football. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. And it's th- because of you. No, Put it on your resume. I can assure you it has absolutely positively nothing to do with <laughs> me. Uh, the only thing I could relate to was he, he uh, Herb Street also said that Rosen had said that his last week's performance, where UCLA almost lost to BYU, was the worst of his entire career at any level. And I was like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I remember we <laughs> lost 13-6 to in our second game of eighth grade. He, he was not good. The coaching was worse, but Josh was not good. Um, but it, it's just an amazing story. And, I, you know, UCLA could be for real. They might be going all the or at least close to all the way in a year, which I insist, as I said last week, the parity is going to rule supreme in college football. I will be stunned if there are multiple undefeated teams for the college football playoff. In fact, there might not be any undefeated teams. Uh, right. That, I don't that, think so either. That I can see. Um, one other sports note. Thrilled that the uh, the last probably conservative white male that will be deemed a success in the United States of America, Jordan Spieth, Jordan Spieth. Uh, continues to do well. Uh, he just finished the greatest season, arguably, in the modern history of golf, maybe even better than Tiger Woods in 2000. He won $22 million this year, Leah Brandon. Wow. At, at the age of 22, he wins the Tour Championship. Uh, he's won two majors this year, won five tournaments. He's the number one player in the world, again, at 22 years old. And the best part about it is it doesn't look like it's going to his head. Uh, he still seems incredibly well-grounded, seems like you're the perfect kid. I'm sure mm-hmm. that'll change at some point, but it hasn't as of yet. And uh, I mean, It hasn't affected uh, Taylor Swift, and she's got all that fame, so maybe he'll be like her. You really don't think fame has impacted Taylor Swift? I don't. Seriously. Okay. No. All right. Well, that's another story for another day. But the, the re- my rooting interest in Jordan Spieth, other than the fact that he's probably going to go down in history as the last white, probably conservative male to be deemed a success in this country, uh, <laughs> is that uh, my three-year-old daughter has decided that the, there's one thing she's going to trust daddy on. There's nothing else but this one thing. She will side with her mother on everything, except I have convinced her that Jordan Spieth is her true love okay and of course it is a three-year-old your true love is everything i mean her whole life is about you know whose true love belongs to whom now you know snow white sleeping beauty cinderella who's their true love she's bought in she's bought in and my my wife has insisted this is a bad idea one because he's 20 years older than or almost 20 years older and he's already balding and Grace is aware that mom objects, but Grace still, and, and it's it's cute as heck. I mean, it really, she even pronounces Jordan Spieth's name correctly. She, <laughs> she will routinely go around and say, my true love, Jordan Spieth. Uh, and, and, and she'll even say, even though he's too old and bald. <laughs> oh, my god! That's my three-year-old daughter. So, I'm, and by the way, for the record, I'm, I'm projecting her true love as a second marriage for him. I mean, she, you know, he'll get the first marriage out of the way, and then it'll be perfect for Grace to come in and, you know, ride out the rest of the way. Uh, you know, which it might only be her first wedding, too. You know, she might <laughs> the way things are going, that's the way the world is these days. Alright, so that's the sports world and uh, the housekeeping. When we come back, the, the news of the week and, um, boy, there is a ton to talk about. We'll get to all of it when we return on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. And each Sunday we provide you with three hours of rationality in a world of ever-increasing insanity. And boy, was there a lot of insanity in the news this week. Uh, We're going to begin with the shocking news on Friday, and it really was shocking. It's not too often that you get an announcement like this that truly surprises people, even on the inside. But this one did, as Speaker of the House, Republican John Boehner, announced that he will be stepping down from Congress at the end of October. Leah, give us the details on that. Right. He's not only leaving the speaker position, he's leaving Congress completely. This morning I woke up and I said my prayers. As I always do, and I decided, you know, today's the day I'm going to do this. As simple as that. Senator Marco Rubio was giving a speech to the Values Voter Summit when word came in that he was doing this. Just a few minutes ago, Speaker Boehner announced that he will be resigning. Now, this morning, John Boehner appeared on Face the Nation, and he was asked if his GOP opposition was dreaming about what could get passed with a majority in both houses of Congress. Well, are they unrealistic about what can be done in government? That's the Absolutely, they're unrealistic. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Bible says, uh, beware of false prophets. And there are people out there, you know, spreading... Uh, noise about how much can get done. I mean, this whole idea that we're going to shut down the government uh, to get rid of Obamacare in 2013, this plan never had a chance. Uh, But over the course of uh, the August recess in 2013 and the course of September, uh, you know, a lot of my Republican colleagues who knew it was a fool's errand, uh, really, they were getting all this pressure from home to do this. And so uh, we got groups here in town, members of the House and Senate here in town, who whip people into a frenzy believing they can accomplish things that they know, they know, are never going to happen. Well, there's now an all-out scramble for the leadership position, which the establishment will probably try to fill with a Boehner clone. <laughs> is, is that the end of your report, Leah? That's it. <laughs> Kevin McCarthy, yet another Boehner clone. <laughs> Boy, that wasn't loaded at all. Um, <laughs> all right. Now, look, um, you and I obviously are going to differ. Uh, at least I think we're going to differ on this. Oh, we're definitely going to um, differ. I, now, I realize that in order to appeal to the people who listen, or at least apparently the majority who listen to talk radio, if my goal was to be popular, what I would tell you would be the fairy tale that has been created by the conservative media, which is that John Boehner is a wimp. Good riddance to him. He sold us down the river. He got blackmailed. He was overmatched by Obama. He could have gotten so much more done. And the conservative cause is going to be so much better off because he's now gone. That's what people want to hear. However, that is not the truth. And yeah, it is. And I am about the truth. The problem, Leah, is that what Boehner said in that clip on Face the Nation today is not just a little bit true. It is 100% true. He's not uh, a leader. Well, well, we're going to find – you know what you're going to find out about John Boehner? Here's how you're going to find out about John Boehner and whether or not he was a good leader or not. Let's, let's wait until his replacement has a chance to do better. See, because I, I look at this very much like 
a football coach since we started the program, as we usually do, talking about football this time of year. Uh, kind of like a college football coach. And, and, uh, and it's interesting that John Boehner is very, very close to his high school football coach named Jerry Faust. Jerry Faust was, at one point, although it was a very <laughs> ill-fated five years, was the infamous head football coach at Notre Dame in the 1980s. He went from high school in Cincinnati to Notre Dame, which was a huge story and a bad decision, although I love Jerry Faust as a man. He's a tremendous man. I've met him. i got great stories about Jerry Faust, but not a good football coach. But here's where I'm headed with this. It's interesting that he's close to Jerry Faust because I see this very much like the GOP base still thinks, much like Notre Dame fans do, that it's the 1980s and that they rule college football and that they're supposed to dominate because they're Notre Dame and that all is possible. Well, guess what? It's not the 1980s anymore. It's 2015. This is a very different country now. Just like college football is a very different animal. Notre Dame can no longer dominate. They got to pick their spots just like the Republican Party can no longer dominate. They got to pick their spots. And John Boehner did as well under unbelievably difficult circumstances as anybody possibly could. And I believe strongly that we're going to see in his successor that the best, the best his successor can do is exactly what he did. So we've just fired our coach without a replacement in the wings, without anybody that we know of that can do a better job. Fantastic. Okay, so let's go back and look at the Pledge to America. Mm -hmm. Now, he all he did was take symbolic votes that he knew were never going to pass. That's what he did. How many times did they vote to repeal Obamacare? Now, here's where I fault John Boehner, and here is the fact that he wasn't a good leader. Because he knew that there's no way he's going to be able to repeal Obamacare, yet he put not one thing forward for the people to fix it. Hey, how about we do this? Instead of 32 hours, let's go ahead and stop killing small business and full-time jobs in this country. We're going to push through this one little change for Obamacare. Let's tell the American people about it. Let's go on all the Sunday shows. And by the way, while we're at it, we're going to help with this Obamacare nightmare. We're going to make sure that you can go across state lines to get health care. That's what we're going to do. Okay. He never did one thing like that. Well, let me... Same with Planned Parenthood. Not one thing. All right, hold on a second. First of all, I, I, I give you kudos for at least being somewhat specific in what you would like to him to have done differently because a lot of people are you know, backseat drivers who go, I'm not happy with this, but I'm not going to tell you what he should have done differently. You at least you know, gave a couple suggestions there. I, I think, though, that what Boehner would tell you is, well, wait a minute, Leah Brandon, which specific would have been good enough to go to the mat for and – pass without you mocking us for only doing a very small and tiny little portion of repealing Obamacare, and wouldn't it hurt the overall effort of getting rid of the whole thing? Hold on a second. I don't don't have enough time for you to respond, but I'll give it to you when we come back on the John and Leah Show. This is the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com.
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. The Rocky music, particularly appropriate for this segment since she and I are vehemently disagreeing over the um, resignation of John Boehner as Speaker of the House, which was surprisingly announced on Friday. By the way, I think we'll probably agree on this part of this, Leah. The way he decided to do it was just plain weird. Uh, he is weird. I, and I'll acknowledge that he's a, a, a bit of an odd guy. I mean, he he, he cries all the time. Now, a little, a little. He comes across as a big old drunk. He does apparently like his liquor. Uh, you know, he's got a weird color to his face. But he doesn't and, use tanners. Uh, and, you know, from what I could tell, I really do believe that meeting the Pope the day before had a huge influence on him deciding to resign, uh, which is weird. I mean, maybe... maybe It actually, staying in order to meet the Pope was the big reason why he stayed, because he wanted to meet the Pope. No, that's not true, because... After that, it's done. No, 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 no. No, that's because that's not accurate, because everybody... And I spoke to Congressman John Yarmuth, the Democrat from Louisville, where we're on a WHAS, my old station there, uh, my old uh, TV buddy from uh, Louisville, and it was well known in Congress that he was going to resign by the end of the year. No one expected it now. So the idea that he was hanging on just to meet the Pope and then the next morning decide, oh, okay, I met the Pope, uh, I'm resigning, I, I don't think that's fair. But I don't want to get bogged down in, in you know pretty insignificant details because I think there's some important issues here. To review, here's my take on the Boehner deal. An imperfect guy, but guess what? All people are imperfect, and especially all politicians are imperfect. He had a horrible hand, a a hand that's much worse than the conservative base would like to believe and what they have been told by what Boehner referred to today on Face the Nation as false prophets. What he's referring to there is talk radio, Fox News Channel, and the Ted Cruz's of the world who have been selling the conservative base a fairy tale. It is a fairy tale that is based on bad math and a complete lack of understanding of civics. I mean, it sounds to me, Leah, like the entire conservative base essentially needs, you know, that that old uh, schoolhouse rock deal with I'm just a bill, I'm only a bill. Well, how about one, I'm just a speaker, I'm only a speaker, and when there's a socialist in the White House and the media is socialist too, I got no power. That's the reality of it. I got no power except over one thing, holding the line on taxes. And that's what John Boehner did. Now, was he perfect? Obviously not, but I truly believe that whoever replaces him is going to be in a much worse position to do what Boehner did, which was to hold together a caucus that doesn't agree on hardly anything. That, that They do not have a huge majority. They do not have enough to override a veto. And, and at least 40 to 50 of that caucus are Tea Party conservatives that have only one thing in common with the rest of the caucus. Hold the line on taxes. That's about it. And so, as he has referred to it, trying to be speaker under these circumstances with the media against you and a socialist in the White House was like trying to get frogs into a wheelbarrow. He did a, he did a much better job than I think anybody on the right is willing to admit because to admit it would be acknowledge our impotence, the impotence of our movement. Our movement is impotent, and we must accept that for now. Okay. 
That's enough. All we heard from John Boehner was repeal and replace Obamacare. That was a prob- That was a promise to us. Replace it with what? Where was the speaker hounding the microphones, laying out the agenda that the Republicans were going to bring? That crazy, kooky Nancy Pelosi was always in front of the cameras, pushing her crazy agenda no matter what. John Boehner has been AWOL. The only time you would see him is when he was talking about how he couldn't get something passed because the crazies in his party were not allowing it to be done. You know what happened to John Boehner? Here's the thing. He got John Roberts' disease. I feel like Harry Reid killed his drive. He gave up fighting anything. And you know what? We didn't want so-called comprehensive immigration reform. We didn't want it. And you didn't get it. We are not stupid. And you didn't get it. And you didn't get it. He wanted to pass it. Right, but it didn't happen. Ah! It didn't. Look, Leah, here's what I would ask. You and others, and I fully acknowledge, you are in the majority, by far, of conservatives who care about this issue. I know I'm in the minority, but uh, but I believe I'm going to be vindicated on this when we find out how this all turns out with his replacement. But here's my specific question to you, Leah, and to you people who agree with you. And you, the, the first before the question, I need to preface this with a, an understanding of the lack of leverage that Republicans in the House have in order to get what they want. They need a number of things. One, it has to be an issue where almost everybody in their caucus agrees, which hardly ever happens. Number two, at least a, a majority of the public agrees, which hardly ever happens. But okay, let's say it happened. Planned Parenthood. I, I agree. I agree. Planned Parenthood, was a, Planned Parenthood was a possibility, although the, it, the numbers aren't as great as you seem to think they are. The Iran deal was a possibility because the, the numbers mm. were in their favor on that. Uh, portions of Obamacare was a possibility. I get all that. But here's how far you would have to go on any one of those issues. You would have to be willing to shut down the government, default on the national debt, throw the economy into total chaos, and hand the next election to the Democratic Party. Now, which issue? Because that's the reality. That is no, no, no. That is the reality. You're wrong. That, that is you're wrong. Baloney. No, how am you're I wrong. wrong? How am I wrong? I'll give tell me, you how you're wrong. Here's how you're wrong. Here's how you're Please wrong. Please tell me. The conservatives feel like John Boehner never. Uh, followed through on any of his promises had the conservatives seen John Boehner out there, even if he failed, even if he failed, if we had seen him fighting for Planned Parenthood, the Iran deal, all this stuff, even if he failed, we wouldn't be so angry at him. Well, first of all, the media controls what you see. You should know that by now. So the, the media only showed you what they wanted you to see. Number two, the reality is when you don't have the ability to override a veto and the media is against you and you got a socialist. They don't even give it to him to well, do a veto. Oh, but hold on a second, <laughs> Leah, because here's what happens. Every time Boehner tries to pass something, there's a portion of his caucus that's more than his majority that says it's not conservative enough. So he can't get anything passed to force the veto. And he certainly doesn't have enough numbers to get override the veto. And so let's get back to the crux of the matter. In order 
The only leverage, the only leverage, which is negative leverage in reality, because the Democrats know the media will do their bidding for them on this, is to shut down the government, destroy the economy, and hand the next election to the Democrats. Which issue, which issue, Leah, of Planned Parenthood, Iran, uh, and I don't even think it's legitimate to put Obamacare into this, but let's in theory put it there. Which of those issues would have been worth that price? Tell me which one. That's I, I think you're going so far out the there. Only it's way, ridiculous. That's the only way they could have gotten anything done. They look. They never even fought for it. <sighs> you have to put up a fight. You have to tell the American people they what don't you're doing. Have they, the, the American people. Pulpit. They don't uh, have the. The American people are. They are not capable of this. The American people can only understand very simple things. And the middle third aren't paying attention at all. And they're getting their information from the news media that's going to distort it. And then the Republicans are always going to be the bad guys. You cannot win. You cannot do it. And so you might as John Boehner was hired to play defense. And he played defense about as well as you could. How in the world? Does John Boehner not get any credit for the fact that after Barack Obama won re-election comfortably, comfortably in 2012, almost all of the George Bush tax cuts were made permanent? Now, how did that happen, Leah? Did that happen by John Boehner backing down and being blackmailed and giving in to whatever Obama wanted? Well, I don't know. I guess we had a majority. No, but that's not the way it works. And, and that's Tell not, that to Nancy Pelosi. Obama had just won a rather large uh, general election and had a majority in the Senate. And somehow Boehner was able to get most, almost all of the Bush tax cuts made permanent. He deserves at least some credit for that. And I believe I'll save one last time. We're a year from now. Let's have this conversation again and determine how his successor has done in comparison to what you believe John Boehner did. I think you're going to change your tune, Leah. Well, yeah, they have Kevin McCarthy in there. (laughs) See that you've bought into the fairy tale again. Nobody's good enough. So who's your speaker, Leah? Who? Tell me who. Give me a name. I don't like any of the establishment. Of course you don't. Of course you don't, because you're a backseat driver. Trey Gowdy's my speaker, baby. You're a backseat driver. You don't want any responsibility. Trey Gowdy's my speaker. In a perfect world, Trey Gowdy, because he actually can speak, unlike John Boehner. All right. All right. Fair enough. Okay, I'll let you get the last word. When we come back, more bad news, more conservative white males who are doing their best for the country and getting thrown under the bus. This time, Scott Walker on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. And um, for a guy who doesn't like too many uh, public figures and frankly doesn't like too many human beings, this was a really rough week for me because uh, we lost uh, not one but two uh, of those that I actually like. I like John Boehner as a good guy, and I thought Scott Walker was the person with the best chance to beat Hillary Clinton and actually be a conservative president 
who could uh, run the country effectively, but that's not going to happen. As I have been saying for weeks, it was not going to happen. This was not a shock that Scott Walker will not be the Republican nominee. What was surprising was that he dropped out uh, so so soon on Monday. So, Leah, give us a recap on that. Yeah, and you actually stole the first line of my story this week. The only Republican that Zig believed had a pathway to the presidency in 2016 exited. Governor Scott Walker following Rick Perry with almost zero support in the polls. He made it official, but in doing so, he urged all the others who were not performing to get out, too. I encourage other Republican presidential candidates to consider doing the same so that the voters can focus on a limited number of candidates who can offer a positive, conservative alternative to the current frontrunner. So far, uh, no one else has followed his lead. Now, as an aside, Zig, Governor Walker uh, was just in Alabama at the end of August, and he came to the Alabama Republican Summer Dinner, uh, and everyone was so excited that he was coming. This was the day after Trump came to Alabama. A former state senator friend of mine uh, whose beliefs align perfectly with Scott Walker was at the dinner, and he said that the speech was so uninspiring that had Walker said at the end, okay, everybody, follow me, we're all going to get ice cream and I'm buying, (laughs) that no one would have left the building, which was so surprising to me. Well, that is interesting because, you know, back uh, it was so long ago, back in June and July when he was the front runner in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Part of it was because he had given such a tremendous stump speech uh, at a couple of different events in Iowa. Yes. So, um, look, here, there's a lot to say here. Um, let me preface this because some people may not be aware. The reason why I thought Scott Walker had the best. I didn't say only, by the way, because I think Rubio has a as a theoretical path to but to Rubio, Rubio was on his ticket right well the, in, in your mind in, in my mind the best the best way to beat Hillary was to have Scott Walker at the top of the ticket Marco Rubio at the bottom that mm-hmm. way you could win Florida you could win Wisconsin you could win Iowa you could win Ohio and that gets you to 269 electoral college votes when you add them to the 206 that Mitt Romney won in 2012. That means it's a tie that goes to the House of Representatives and Republicans win. That was my worst-case scenario. Uh, I also thought that Walker had proven himself as governor of Wisconsin going up against, you know, the the, the going into the belly of the beast oh, when, yeah. uh, on three different occasions, winning in four years and, you know, beating back the public employee unions in Wisconsin. An uh, onslaught. Exactly. I mean, he showed his <laughs> toughness, his, his ability to beat back media attacks. And so so because of all those reasons, I, he was the guy I thought had the best chance. It was very clear, I think <clears throat> you you would acknowledge this, I, I've been making it clear for several weeks he was doomed. In fact, I, I, I got so exercised last week because I was basically – putting out his eulogy, uh, not knowing the next morning he was going to to Quit. withdraw from the race. But, I, I mean, I, if I had known, I wouldn't have changed a word I was going to say uh, because it was over. It was obviously over. It was not going to happen. And it was mostly because of Donald Trump. Now, I realize mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, again, much like Boehner, guess what? Scott Walker is not perfect. That's a real newsflash, folks. They're, 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 he is not a perfect person. Again, Ronald Reagan is dead. I hate to break that to you. 
He wasn't perfect to begin with, not nearly as perfect as we like to believe now, but he ain't coming back, all right? So we got to deal with what we got. And Scott Walker was a, a hell of a potential candidate if we had rallied around him and instead of gotten obsessed and distracted by this shiny object. Now, I've written a column uh, which, frankly, I thought was really good. In fact, the Scott Walker campaign reached out to me to thank me for the for the column. Oh, that's nice. Unofficially, um, you can. I uh, wrote the column for Mediate, the uh, media criticism website. You can find it at johnziggler.com. Easiest way to find johnziggler.com just go to our website, which is freespeechbroadcasting.com, and the John Ziegler link is there. It explains exactly how the Trump factor changed the race. It's, and I, what I, really bugs me, Leah, among many things about this development, is that because conservatives don't want to accept, and what I mean by conservatives, I mean the base and I mean commentators, they don't want to accept the reality that we got distracted by this shiny object named Donald Trump. No, no, we're, we're above that in, in, the, in the minds of conservatives. No, no, we need to find a substantive reason, a, a reason that's acceptable for us to feel good about ourselves as to why we rejected Scott Walker. And so we created, we concocted this one that he just wasn't ready for prime time. He wasn't inspiring enough. He had made missteps, all of which, by the way, might be t- slightly true, but not nearly enough to knock somebody who was a front runner out of the race this early, way before one vote is even cast. And Lindsey Graham's still in. Yeah, exactly. Lindsey Graham <laughs> is still in. Um, th- this reminds me, Leah, because I had this happen to me a lot as a very naive uh, kid in, in college who had very little experience with girls. You know, up until about almost 30, I had no idea what I was doing with women. I was always the nice guy. And, uh, you know, a lot of women, when they're younger, I think you'll agree with this, they don't want the nice guy. They don't want right. the, the marriage guy So, because uh, he's not exciting enough. And so in order to rationalize why they need to reject the nice guy who's got nothing wrong with them, they make crap up. <laughs> and so that's what the conservative base is doing with Scott Walker. We don't want to feel bad about ourselves that we didn't embrace Scott Walker. We need an excuse to reject it because look over here. There's this shiny object that's so exciting named Donald Trump. Um, but here's the bottom line, and this is really scary, and this is how I end the column. We are now in a situation. This is the state of the conservative movement with regard to this presidential race. We have a situation where the person who likely had the best chance to beat Hillary got knocked out months, months before any votes were actually cast almost entirely because of a liberal reality TV star who had Hillary at his third wedding and who consulted with Bill Clinton before he decided to get in the race. Yeah, that's that, true. That's astonishing. That, that, is, that is amazing. That is the state of the conservative movement. So regardless of whether you like Scott Walker or not, it is a travesty that he is out of the race this early, especially when, as you mentioned, Lindsey Graham is still in there. Uh, and and the reality is he was right. He was right to call for others to drop out. He Be- was. He didn't do it very well. I thought once he- again, no one's following it. Well, right. <laughs> he was not particularly inspiring when he said it. Um, I, I didn't understand why he had to read that. Uh, uh, it felt to me like he just wanted out of there. My, my, my gut told me he is pissed off. And, oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And just didn't want that to show. So when you're pissed off and you don't want that to show, you stick to the script and you get the hell out of there. You don't answer yes. questions. You just go. Uh, but what he did 
you know, while he may not have had many choices because his operation was too big, and understandably so, it was built big because it should have been. He was the front runner for a, a month. So if he hadn't built a big organization, people would have been going, why didn't you build a big organization? That's <laughs> but, exactly right. So so he had he ran out of money, but he did the right thing for the country. And unfortunately, as you've said, no one's following because they're all a bunch of selfish bastards. Yes, that's true. They only care about themselves. They don't care about beating Hillary. And that ought to be the only goal that matters. So, of course, this leaves us a problem, Leah. I need a new candidate. So, so do I. <laughs> so in hour number two, I will be endorsing a new candidate for president on the John and Leah show. Stay tuned.